What's up, Jets fans, and welcome to another edition of Jet Nation Live. We are your hosts, Dylan Terman and Chris Schubert. Today, we begin, we embark on the journey that is the summer ranking series. Last week was a little bit of the tip of the iceberg with the AFC East breaking it down, but now we're getting into the nitty gritty. We're starting at the, the head of the snake, the king of the throne. We're going to start at the quarterback position. We're also going to talk special teams today. Chris, how are we doing tonight? I see you're in a, a different location. Or, or on a little bit of a vacation, but the vacation does not stop stop me from discussing Jets football with you here uh, on a Thursday night. Look, I, I've got my chart in front of me here on another screen because I'm not in my normal setup, and I've got rankings. You've got rankings for all of these players, and we embark on this journey here over the next couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to the debates that this is going to have because I made sure to not look at your list while I was doing my list, and you did the same. And so we do not know um, what each other have as their as our rankings. So this is the we're going to reveal it to each other, even though it's in the same spreadsheet. We have sworn to ourselves that we were not going to look. And so I'll be fascinated to see how much we agree or disagree. And I, there might be a disagreement on tonight's show with a certain quarterback. I don't know. I'm predicting that that's going to be the case, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a good start to the conversation of these rankings because it's a little appetizer. I, a little appetizer. It, exactly. We do agree on most of the show, but there are a couple of points where I think we can, you know, really dive in and, and get to the nitty gritty of what we think each player is actually worth. So just to break it down from the top, Chris and I did go through the entire, I guess, 90 man roster at this point, maybe 89. I don't remember how many players they exactly have. And we ranked them into five categories. They're either a five, a, pr- a franchise player, a four, they're good to great, which is a bit of a sliding scale, which we'll get into. Three is solid. You're just, you know, an average player. Two, you have a lot of question marks or you're a rookie. Chris and I preach that net neutrality with r- rookies, you can't place them higher than a two out of five. I feel like anything higher is a little bit, you know, project- projecting, obviously, which you are. They haven't played a snap. So there are two. And then one is practice squatting cut. If those players aren't necessarily worth being on the roster, we will indicate why. And we're just going to break it down. We're going to talk about floor, ceiling, projections, um, how many are going to be on the final 53. We're going to get into the the coaching at each position. So that's going to be a fun little wrinkle too. Obviously the caps uh, financial situation of all of it, which is another wrinkle, which makes it all interesting. So this is going to be fun. And I think quarterback is, is the best place to start. But before that, we have to get to, the ones that really make you excited to watch football. And that's the special teams. Oh, baby, let's go. The best with, part of the list. With the Jets special teams unit of the past, I feel like this is the unit where you just kind of cover your eyes whenever there's a punt, a field goal situation. And for once, I'm not going to reveal all my rankings at once, but for once, I feel like the pendulum is on an upswing in terms of feeling confident about this group, not necessarily scared that every field goal attempt, even a 37 yarder is in question. So we're going to start with special teams. We're going to just obviously go kicker, punter, long snapper. We're obviously going to talk about long snapper. That's an important one, but we're going to kick it off with Greg Zerloin. And I'm going to let you go first. What bucket did you put Greg Zerloin in? Yeah. And and I'll very quickly just make a point here for everybody who's listening to to this show, because obviously the the bigger names that we're going to talk about throughout the course of this series are going to be the one that generate the most buzz. But I need everybody that's listening to this show to understand the importance of a decent special teams unit, not just in football in totality, but specifically for the New York Jets in 2023. Being able to win the field position game when it comes to punting, being able to earn some maybe cheap points at the end of a half because Aaron Rodgers can get them down in to that area of the field where they can maybe get three points, steal three points at the end of the half, 
or be able to make a drive late and you all you know you've got a reliable kicker that's able to get you three points to win a game. When you're playing the Bills twice, when you're playing the Pats twice, when you're playing the Dolphins twice, when you're playing the schedule the Jets have in 2023, special teams, field position, this stuff absolutely matters. And so overall, this group is very important. It may not be as important as Aaron Rodgers' play. It may not be as important as the development of Sauce Gardner and all the other players that we're going to talk about here over the course of the next couple of weeks while we do this. But this is not a group to sleep on. This is a group to pay attention to. And when it comes to kicker, when I look at Greg Zerline, I put him in the bucket of a solid kicker. Had a very good year last year, right? This was a guy that was a was a huge positive to this team when they hit some rough patches because it felt like every time they needed three points to kind of right the ship or to keep them afloat or keep them in a game and keep it close and keep things where they might have they felt like they had a chance in the second half, Zerline came through. It was a little bit of a rough waters the first couple of weeks, but he really settled in and played really well. Now, with that being said, the thing that stopped me from going good to great is a big enough sample size with him doing this with the Jets. That's the only thing that really stopped me from getting there. But I certainly could see the argument for putting him into that bucket based on what he did a year ago. So again, to me, if you're in this special teams group and you have that green tag next to you, you have the what we describe as the three, three, four, or five. If you have one of those marks, that's good for the New York Jets. The Jets don't have to have the best special teams group in the National Football League, but they got to have an above average one. They have to have a top 16 group. And I think at least at the kicker spot, they check that box. I'm glad you you put it that way because a lot of times when you talk about football or just the you know fan talks about football, I'm guilty of it all the time. You say both sides of the ball, offense, defense, but there is that third element of special teams which is so crucial and so important. Like you said, field position, you know, game winning situations. How many times does yes the quarterback leads the drive down the field or what have you, but the kicker's got to make the kick. So it is always crucial to have a at least solid to above average special teams. I'll tell a quick story. I've gone to a bunch of different games with my good friends, Kyle and Joe uh, of the mm-hmm. Draft Dudes. We, we've gone to games together and we've sat together. Some of the most fun we've had watching a football game is breaking down special teams units where we'll be watching the special teams units come onto the field and we'll be like, hmm, we don't know if they're set up for this. Uh, this is, the, and we will discuss it out loud. Some of the most mm-hmm. fun we have. So this stuff's important. And when when you're watching these games, we're going to get to punter here in a second, but think of all the times that we complained as Jets fans about a braid man punt setting up the team on a short field. Yep. If you eliminate those kinds of mistakes, think of how differently a game could go for the New York Jets. And that's not including the increase in quarterback play. That's not including the defense maybe playing better. That's not including the offensive line being healthier in 2023. This is why we talk about football as the ultimate chess match because you got 11 different moving parts all at once. Special teams, you've got just as many moving parts. And so if the Jets can win on the margins there and get better than they were in 2022, that's a big win for them. And so for me, having a solid kicker, having a guy that fits into one of those three buckets, that's a huge win to start to start off this series for us. Exactly. And I'm going to even do you one better. I put Greg Zerloin in the good to great category, so the fourth tier. And I would I said it was a sliding scale. Obviously, there's a difference between good and great, and we'll get into it as we talk about more players. But Greg Zerloin, to me right now, is on the good side of things. He has been a solid performer at all three stages, whether he was at the Rams, the Cowboys, and now the the Jets. So I feel like while it is a small sample size with the Jets, I have two stats here that kind of back up why I put him in the good category. Um, Of his seven missed field goals last season, five came from 50-plus. Um, inside of 40, however, he was 15 of 15. So I'm looking at that like Aaron Rodgers is going to get you into those situations where you're not kicking, you know, 55 yard field goals. And there will be those situations, obviously. But I felt like the Jets put Greg out there in some situations where they knew it was kind of a prayer, but they didn't trust the quarterback's arm to throw a Hail Mary before the half. 
you know, I, I feel like there was a situation that I'm, I'm not remembering the game, but like you said, he kind of had a rocky start to 2022. He missed a field goal and an extra point against Baltimore. Didn't really change the outcome of the game. We lost 24 to nine, but it wasn't really the confidence booster you wanted with your new kicker after having all the special teams problems. He didn't miss an extra point for the rest of the season. And like I said, he finished 30 of 37, only missing seven field goals for just above 80%. So not great, but good to me. So I have him in the good category. And I feel like there's, you know, reason for both sides. You can say he's solid because there's not enough sample size. But I think from what he did and just the situations that they put him in, he did the best he could. So I put him in good, but he could become a solid. We're going to get into the floor and ceiling now. He could be a solid. If he misses some short field goals, like 15 of 15 is a great number, but if that's 12 of 15 inside 40, those are the most frustrating ones. The ones that feel like a gimme that, you know, there's the wind isn't a factor. You're playing inside a dome, whatever the case is. And you just, you miss, you start regressing. It's hard to be 15 of 15 inside of 42 years in a row. But I think his ceiling is the great side of the good to great tier. So I'm not, obviously he's not a franchise kicker. I think there's only one of those, Justin Tucker, maybe if you want to consider him a franchise kicker, I think he, he would be in I, I would, he would be the guy yeah. that would get that, that, that marker for exactly. me. Exactly. There is nobody else that has a ceiling that high in, in the kicker no. spot in all the football. It's just absolutely not. And, and like you said, he's solid. So he could be more of the middle of the group. So I think this year starting him off at good, could be solid, could be great. What did you have for your floor and ceiling? Yeah, look, I think you're more so than ever. I think a lot of these games that the Jets are going to play in 2023, I have the feeling are going to come down to the wire. I think they're going to be close contests. I don't see the New York Jets blowing out a lot of teams, not because I don't think they're capable, but just mm -hmm. because they're playing a lot of good teams throughout the course of the season. So these games are going to be close. And so if if Greg gets off to a really slow start and he misses a couple of key field goals, I could see this kind of spiraling out of control. So the floor for me is he goes into the questions bucket. Where we okay. start to have, where we start to in the middle of the season go, do we make, we do we need to make a change of kicker? I, I ask myself, is that a, is that something that could potentially be on the horizon? Yes, because I've kind of seen it before. I've kind of seen the Jets go through a season where we've had to ask questions of, is this guy the kicker that we need long term? The ceiling, if he continues to build on the sample size, the small sample size that he had last year, and he continues to put up the numbers that he put up last year, we're talking about a good to great, and I would have no problem putting him in that bucket. So that that's the floor and ceiling for me. <clears throat> And so I kind of split the difference with where I put him for the season. Yeah, and that makes sense. I hope that we're not sitting here at this time next year wondering completely about our special teams unit. Obviously, they're getting up there in age. I think this is Zerloin's ninth season in the league. So he's been around the block. So, And we're going to get into the next guy, Thomas Hennessy, our punter. Been around the block. I believe this is his 14th season in the NFL. He's 37 years old. Yeah, Zerloin's 35 on his 12th season. So just average 13 years of NFL experience between them. That's quite a lot. So I'm not worried about him from necessarily like falling off a cliff Zerloin, but the age is definitely something that you got to take into account. Uh, can I share my grade for Thomas Morstead here real quick as we transition into the punter, because I have a very important piece of information that I think everybody should know when it comes oh, yeah. to this grade. So hunter stats are always welcome. So no, no, it's not a stat. It's just, okay. I want everyone to understand my methodology. Thomas Morstead one is a great kicker or a great punter. One of the best in all of football. He is no longer on the Miami dolphins. So that is a net positive for the New York. Jets. Yes, and yes. third, the reason why he is in the good to great bucket for me, he's not Braden man. And I think that's a very underrated part of what we're talking yep. about here because he's not Braden man. He gets a bump in his grade. And so I put him very, very firmly in the good to great bucket for those three things. One of the better punters in all of football, not on the Miami dolphins anymore and not Braden man. 
those three things, you put them in the formula, you get it. You get the, he goes into the fourth bucket. I, I cannot argue with any of that reasoning. Like you said, you watch Braden man. He has one in those couple kicks where it's like, wow, that was a great kick, but it never seems to actually do what it's supposed to do. And it always comes out as a dinker. And I understand those offsides were, you know, cool to look at and whatever, but they were ineffective except for Cleveland. And I feel like that was just a normal onside kick, not saying any, anybody could do it, but when you are an upgrade of that kind of caliber, I can get on board with it. However, I did put Thomas Morset in the solid. Like I said, he's 37, so I don't know if there is a punter cliff. I don't think it's a thing, but when you're 37 and you're entering your 14th season, you kind of have to wonder how much is left. They did guarantee a ton of his contract. I think all of it, if I'm not mistaken. So they are putting a lot of eggs in the basket of him, but it's like $1 million. So it's really not a ton. I have him in solid. That's his floor, though. I mean, unless, like I said, he falls off the cliff, then you go into the questions, age kind of the questions, but his ceiling, good to great, 100%. You can't you can't deny it. He does kick booms. I think it was 2021 when he was on the Jets for half a season. Mm-hmm. He outpunted Braden Mann when he was hurt, and even when Braden came back, everybody was like, why did we get rid of Thomas Morstead? And then he went to Miami, so it was just not fun to watch that, and it was nice to see him come back. However... <clears throat> I have him at solid. Justin Hardy did praise him the other day. He he and Morstead were both from New Orleans. They came over as free agents. And Justin Hardy said that um, Thomas Morstead is a huge reason why he got paid by the Jets to be a special teams uh, gunner. So that's really important. I like the the camaraderie there. I like the the friendship, the 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 love that happens when uh, you know even when football is not happening and they're away on vacation. So Morstead to me is solid but I totally can get on board with, with good to great. I think we kind of covered the ceiling and floor there, but yeah, I think good to great is, is definitely where he could be, but I'm, I'm at solid. Now the most important special teams player, Thomas Hennessy, the longest tenured jet 2017. Oh. He was a waiver from Indianapolis. He's kind of held on him and Brant Boyer, just kind of clinging to life here. I don't know how Brant Boyer does it. Maybe he has secrets Listen. that we don't know. He, he was uh, Exactly. He was brought up under uh, Jets legend, special special teams coach, uh, Mike Westoff, who we had on the pod last summer. So it is nice to see, you know, a little bit of a, a legacy coaching hire kind of in the in the coaching tree. Um, Thomas Morstead or Thomas Hennessy, excuse me, too many Thomases. I have him as well as solid. You're a long snapper. You don't really do much. If your, you ceiling made the- is, your ceiling is solid. As a long yes. snapper, I'm sorry. Your ceiling is you can be a solid player. That's exactly. all you can be for me. And I think but Thomas Hennessy... If because because you're a solid because I I know you put him in a solid I put him at a solid yes that's that is the that is the peak for long snappers so that is us saying that we think you're one of the better long snappers in all of football because of your consistency and so I don't want yep. people to mistake that we put him as a three and we're, we think in the grand scheme of things that he's very low on the totem pole no because if I graded all the long snappers in all of football no one's getting higher than a three it's not happening yeah no. <laughs> No, you don't see those franchise long snappers out there. No, no, no. Yeah, no one's getting a five for being a (laughs) franchise long snapper. It's not happening. But like the the things I was thinking about as I was doing this exercise, um, missed uh, like missed snaps. Did were there any botched snaps on field goals or punts that were because of a bad snap? Even in the weather, I didn't really think of any that came off the top of my head. I mean, yes, he doesn't make the tackle when he goes down the other end, but he has made tackles. He's not a big hitter, which maybe if he was a big hitter, you could think about good to great. But Maybe, but I don't I, think so. 
No, I have him at solid, and I think, like you said, that's probably the best thing you're going to do for a long snapper. So any other thoughts about Thomas Hennessy before we get into the uh, the meat and potatoes here? No, I, it's, just, it's a solid group, right? I think the floor for any of these players we gave was solid. We I had two solids and a good great, and I think you had the same thing. You had two solids and one good great. We just differed on who the good great was, but we believe overall this group is decent. It is solid. Um, it is more than likely better than it was last year. And that's really all that you're asking for entering the 2023 season. So I, I'm not, not, a, not a ton here. We don't have to go in depth here. We've, we've done, we've gone 16 minutes already on special teams. I feel like that maybe is a little bit too much, but we believe in this group going into 2023. I think that's the message that we want to send. Yes, exactly. And just to tie a bow on it, Brent Boyer, special teams coordinator, Leon Washington and Michael Gobriel are the assistant special teams coaches. Final 53, they're going to carry three. That's it. If they carry any more, they're doing roster malpractice. You can't have competitions at this stage when you're a win-now team. So three on the final roster it is, and we have 50 position spots left, technically. We're going to move now to the quarterback position. And offline, before we started, Chris and I agreed that we are going to start on looking at the depth chart from the bottom up. So right now we have a bit of a camp battle, an intriguing one, because one has – familiarity with the offense and the current quarterback and the current offensive coordinator. But the other one is a bit of a a folk hero around here, even though when he came into live action, didn't do anything but run QB power and throw some ducks in the rain against Jacksonville. Chris Strebler versus Tim Boyle, QB three. I'm going to give you the floor with how you want to approach either one of those because I didn't put them in any specific order. And I want to see who you pegged as the QB three. Now that the new rule establishes that you can have three quarterbacks. Yeah. So I think that's a great thing that you pointed out that they will be able to carry three quarterbacks. And I think it's going to be very obvious who they are going to carry. I have both Tim Boyle and Chris Trevler in the same bucket. They're both ones for me. They're both practice squad. They both have the red tag. Um, And at the, at the end of this, I think we'll show our, um, the roster and how it's colorized and it has all of the, the key and the delineation. And you'll mm-hmm. see how we feel about all these groups, but I'm looking at mine here on my phone and I have them both in red. Cause I think at best they're both practice squad guys, Tim Boyle, a veteran has been on a bunch of teams. It isn't going to come in there and wow. you isn't going to come in there and win you a bunch of games, but he's in here because he knows the system. He's in here because he's got a relationship with Aaron. He's here because he's got a relationship with Daniel Hackett. And when you're installing a brand new offense, in a year in which, let's be honest, you're pushing all the chips in the middle, you're going all in for this year and potentially next year, you need to hit the ground running. You need things to operate smoothly. And having an extra voice that's not just Nathaniel Hackett, that's not just Aaron Rodgers, that understands what you are trying to do and what you're trying to install is is the is basically having an additional coach on the team. And that's what Tim Boyle is. He's an extension of Aaron Rodgers. He's an extension of Nathaniel Hackett. And so for me, when we're discussing the QB3 battle, it's absolutely going to be Tim Boyle because – Chris Strebler, I think, is very has got a very limited skill set. We saw it on display on Thursday Night Football against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He doesn't have a great arm. He's a guy that's just going to take the ball and run around, and he might be able to give you a spark. He might be able to change the pace of the game a little bit, but sustainable over the course of four quarters, over the course of a game or two, if you need him to get you out of a pinch, it's just not there. So he is firmly, I think, the practice squad guy for this team, and Tim Boyle is going to be the third quarterback that they have um, on this team because he understands the offense. He's a veteran presence. He's going to be able to act basically as an extension of the coaching staff and be a quarterback's coach. And more importantly, be able to help Zach Wilson, which I think is a very important part of him being in there. And he, and he provides a veteran presence. So for me, I think it's a no brainer. Strevler is going to be a practice squad guy. Tim Boyle is the QB three. I have them both rated the same as practice squad QBs, but I think the veteran experience and the understanding of what is being asked of him at the quarterback position, and what is being asked of the offense is the tiebreaker that goes to Boyle. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. I had Tim Boyle three, Chris Trevler four. 
I didn't, you know, put too much thought into it when I was thinking about it. They're going to keep three because of the rule. And yes, a fourth could potentially be practice squatted. And that guy would be Chris Strebler. He just doesn't, you know, give you the signs of being an NFL quarterback just yet. Tim Boyle, at least, has been around the block. He's been to 75% of the NFC North everywhere but Minnesota. So it's kind of funny how the NFC North does that, just carousels players. And Tim Boyle, like you said, he knows offense. He's going to push Zach Wilson. I think that's probably the most important part of all of his role here is that he's going to, you know, maybe help Zach Wilson in the playbook a little bit more, help him take his job because Tim Boyle could, you know, he could end up as QB two if all goes wrong with Zach Wilson. And training. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> yeah. I will be honest with you, uh, Dylan. I'm not sure if Zach Wilson won't end up being the QB three on this team. Yeah. He, he could be the guy that they made the, not that he made the rule about, but they could be the guy that they use because of this new rule. And from what and I'm trying can, to understand, and they can have Zach still be active, but they don't yes. need to go to him right away. And I think yes. that's to me is, is the play here, right? That's when I heard about the rule and I see the Tim Boyles on the roster, that's kind of my thought too, is that they'll dress all three, but Zach will be the QB three. Zach will be yep. the emergency guy. Talent wise. I think Tim Boyles, the QB three. I'm still not giving yes. up on Zach yet. I, I, I'm just not. I, I will not go there yet. Um, but I think f- from a c- competition perspective, in terms of needing to win in 2023, if something happens to Aaron Rodgers, I think Tim Boyle will be the quarterback that goes into the game. Yep. And the the part about the rule that makes me a little nervous about doing it that way, even though I wholeheartedly agree Zach would be my QB3 in that situation, is that QB3 can only be played if the two quarterbacks are injured or ejected. So that's like, you know, worst case scenario, Zach would have to come on. And I don't know if the Jets are willing to take that risk of like they need all those bad things to happen to see Zach. I feel like maybe they're a little bit more confident. But if we get into camp and Zach looks like the guy, it's probably open and closed. He's going to be QB2. But that is the fail safe that Tim Boyle could be the QB2 when the season rolls around because Zach Wilson is that emergency third quarterback. Well, let's talk about him. We brought him up. We've talked about him a bunch here. What did you do with Zach? Because I thought it was pretty obvious what I did. Yes, I, I gave him the yellow tag. I gave him you have to give him right? questions. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. After two years of Zach Wilson at the quarterback position, it's really hard to define what you have. And to say he's even solid is an is way of a reach. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's in the questions bucket. I'm not on the, the the side of let's cut him. You know, the money doesn't make sense. So let's not cut Zach Wilson. But he does come with a ton of question marks so yes i put him in the yellow his cap hit this season is sixth highest on the team 9.586 million which is just silly considering he could be the qb3 um he has a floor like i said practice squatter cut this could be his last year maybe he's traded if he doesn't show confidence but you know looks okay in camp maybe he just needs a change of scenery and if um I don't know who posted it on Twitter, but somebody posted his mom's Instagram story saying that he loved this place in Tennessee or Nashville and he wants to move there. So everybody no, no, thought no. he was. I don't need more Zach Wilson's mom's Instagram posts and <laughs> yeah, stories. Right, I'm, right. I'm okay with this. We did this last offseason. I'm not doing this again. No, no. But somebody connected him to the Titans somehow in a trade request. And he's, I'm like, he's I not going anywhere. He's going exactly. to be on this team. I think the important conversation that we will have around Zach Wilson will be next offseason because yes. the fifth year option will come up. And I don't see on any planet in which the New York Jets are going to pick up his fifth-year option, which means he's going to be entering the 2024 season as a lame-duck quarterback because he will be entering in as an impending free agent. And if this all goes according to plan with Aaron Rodgers, he'll be the starting quarterback next year. Aaron will be, which means Zach Wilson will have two years to be in the backup. 
So the Jets, I, I, the Jets talk about how they're not giving up on Zach. They're not giving up on Zach. They're not giving up on Zach. But they're not going to have enough of an evaluation to be able to determine whether or not to bring Zach back. The next, listen, I'm not putting the cart in front of the horse. 2023 is way more important than the offseason of, of, of 2024 sure. in which they have all these questions. But I can't help but sit here and think about how at the end of this offseason, they're, they're going to be putting themselves in a position where Zach Wilson's basically just going to be walking and they're not going to know what the plan is. Yeah, it's really tough when when you've played such a little bit and your you know your range of outcomes has been so sporadic in that short sample size, and then they're going to sit you on the on the shelf for two years and then expect you to come back and be the guy. That just it feels like. But how are uh, they going to? How is he going to come back though? They'd have to resign him, so they would have to say after two years of him sitting down and getting zero game action, they would have to make the decision of we're going to bring this guy back, and he's it's like a Jordan Love. But it's, like kind of worse, but kind of worse. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you I, know I, what he is. And unless you like, we all know Zach Wilson kills it at practice. You see the videos, you see the highlights, the tweets that come out in August now, when he's killing it in shorts or against his own team, he's throwing the no look passes. It doesn't happen in the regular season. There is he a scenario confidence. where we could do this. There is a scenario where we could do this. And I would be, I would totally be on board with this. They win the Super Bowl this year. And Rodgers chooses to take that and ride off into the sunset. And sure. say, I'm not playing anymore. I've won my championship. I've done what I've needed to do. We're good. Yeah. And then they turn it over to Zach in 2024 as, okay, we just won a championship. We're now going to use this year to evaluate. I, then maybe we could get an answer. But other than that, I don't see how they get an answer. And it's just going to make it for weird. So, yeah, there's so many questions. I don't think any of them get answered. He stays the yellow tag for me. I, that's the floor. I think that's the ceiling. I think yeah. that's everything. I, I don't see how Zach gets himself out of this picture in 2023. If he does, it's because something catastrophic has happened in front of him, Darren Rodgers, and I don't think anybody's going to want that. So, to me, the, his floor, his ceiling, his current value, he is just he is the yellow questions tag, and that is the way it is going to stay for 2023 for me. Exactly. I didn't write an actual ceiling projection. I just wrote in, in parentheses, hard to envision him making a leap in such a limited role. Last year, uh, in the nine games he played, he averaged 94.3% of the snaps. This year, I'm projecting him to play 6.5% of the snaps. I'm projecting Aaron Rodgers, if he's healthy, to play all those games. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback to just sit down in the end of the season, like sit sit out a game if they have it locked up. He put, would even play the 17th game. So I'm literally projecting Zach Wilson to play 6% of the snaps, and that's probably you're up in the fourth quarter. You're just going to run the ball. If you look at like the, the Green Bay script in the fourth quarter, they were up two or three scores, they, they ran the ball every play in the fourth quarter, not one pass attempt. So I could see a situation like that for Zach Wilson, but it's hard to see him doing anything other than being another question mark one year from today. Yeah, agree 100%. So I think there's really not a whole lot else to be said there. He gets the yellow tag for me, and that's where he stays. Yep, and we're three for three on quarterbacks as far as agreement. And I, I don't think, think we're, we're going to be here. No, you don't think so? Where I don't know. Have... We'll see. Where did you have? Let me find it here, Mr. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. You, you where have did you, one. Where did you put Mr. Aaron wow. Rodgers? I was I, a quick story. I'm on vacation in Myrtle Beach. I went down to the, this this place that's down by the beach. It's got a bunch of shops, and there's a sports shop. And I walked in there, and my dad pointed up at the at the at the jerseys on the wall, and there was a there was a New York Jets number eight jersey. This goes to show you how my brain works, and this goes to show you how I it, it is not clicked in my head that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the New York Jets. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, why would I want an Elijah Moore jersey? He's not on the team anymore. 
Oh man. Like that's, that's what happened in my head. One vacation mode. So my brain's a little turned oh. off, but secondly, it just has not clicked yet that he's wearing eight and he's the quarterback of the New York jets. I'm like, why would I want that Jersey? Elijah Moore doesn't play for the team. Anymore. And then I stopped yeah. myself and I said, that's an Aaron Rodgers Jersey. I did not get one, but I thought that story would be very funny. That is funny. <laughs> now look, I, he's going to be 40. Okay. <laughs> and so that, that obviously complicates the evaluation process here for Aaron Rodgers. But when I think of what the franchise liked blue tag that we have for players, and I will tell you, I didn't give out many of these. There were five in total across this entire series. That That's how many I gave out. I gave out five of these tags. Mm-hmm. I gave out one of them to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is in the light blue for me. Because even though he's 40, and when you think of a franchise player, you think of somebody that you have long-term. When I think of a franchise player, I think of a guy that your team absolutely needs to have is integral to what you are doing and losing that player, the house of cards comes tumbling down. And I have five of those players for the New York Jets in 2023, and I don't know how you don't look at Aaron Rodgers and what the Jets gave up to get him, the pursuit for him, what they did after they got him. They put all their chips in the middle to be all in over the next couple of years to try to win a championship. Aaron Rodgers is a franchise player on this team, so he gets the light blue tag. Um, and I debated it. I had him in as a good great for a while, but at the end of the day, when you look at what the Jets are doing here, how can you not say that they are going all in to build around Aaron Rodgers and the pursuit of him and, and say that he's not a franchise player? He might not be for a very long time have this tag. And if he falls off a cliff this year and plays as poorly as he did last year, he'll then start sliding down the scale. But for right now, I don't know how you don't you don't have him as a franchise player. It's funny because at the top we said we didn't look at each other's um, spreadsheets, even though it's all in the same thing. That's exactly what I did. I had him in the good wow, to great, okay. and I and I stared at it for so long, and I just I looked at the room as a whole, and I'm like, I understand Zach Wilson brings the room down as a whole, but Aaron Rodgers is a franchise player for the reasons you just said. He might not have the the long term aspect of a Josh Allen or a Joe Burrow, but when you put your chips into the middle of the table and they're all showing green number eights for Aaron Rodgers, not Elijah Moore, that's a franchise player to me. So I'm a hundred percent on board. Um, obviously this is his ceiling. He's a franchise player. That's going to be it for him. Two of the last three MVPs. He's on the back end of his career. Could he sneak out another MVP? Perhaps, but it's probably, you know, the, the back end of a franchise player, but the floor for me, I, it was so hard to say solid, but like good to great is his floor. I don't think he's going to be the problem in this offense unless, everything falls off the rails and he's playing with like one arm or something because his shoulder got blown out. His floor is what he did last year, right? That's his floor. Yes. And while that would not, that wouldn't be great because he didn't play very well last year. It would still be miles better than everything we've seen as a Jets fan at the quarterback position. Now, again, when you're trading for Aaron Rodgers and you are doing what you are doing, I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to play the way that he did last year. I expect him to play closer to the guy that won back-to-back MVPs. Let's just make it very clear. And I don't care that his season last year would have been an all-time great New York Jets quarterback season. All I care about is do you are you playing well enough and are you winning enough games for the Jets to make a Super Bowl run? I don't care what your statistics say. I really don't. You could throw for 40 touchdowns. You could throw for 50 touchdowns. You could throw for 25 touchdowns. If at the end of the day, the Jets are winning more games than they're losing and they're in the playoffs, That is going to be a successful season for the New York Jets, however they get there. So no matter what the statistical output is for Rodgers, as long as they're winning and he's playing well, that's a win in my book. And so for me, I think the floor floor for him is good to great. 
I think the floor, if he plays the way that he did last year, we would describe him as, we would describe him as a good quarterback. He was a yep. good quarterback last year. He wasn't great. He wasn't one of the best quarterbacks. He was an MVP candidate. He was just a fine, good quarterback. That's the floor for me. That's what I think he'll be in 2023 at worst. At best, yep. I think he's an MVP candidate. And so you take the, the middle, he's going to be somewhere in the middle. He'll probably be closer to the MVP seasons than he was what he was uh, in 2023. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to say Aaron Rodgers and solid in the same sentence because it's just even on a, on a down year with a bad finger and, you know, a lot of mistrust in, in his organization, he was better than solid. Like you said, not great, but better than solid. Yep. I have a couple stats here from his season last year. Obviously, he played all 17 games. Completion percentage of 64.6, which the highest majority Jets starter completion percentage since 2017 when McCown had 67.3%, which is just really drastic. We're just, we're, we're cursed. Uh, oh, every so time bad. we do, it's just, it's just awful. The quarterback way that we've had. Um, he had 3,695 yards, which for him was the fewest since 2010. Um, he had 12 interceptions, which is the most since 2008 and his third 10 plus interception season in his entire career. But despite throwing 12 interceptions last year, which is tied for fourth most in the NFL, here are the quarterbacks that threw equal or more than Aaron Rodgers last year. Dak Prescott leading the NFL with 15, Kirk Cousins 14, Josh Allen 14, Derek Carr 14, Joe Burrow 12, Patrick Mahomes 12. So like you said, he had a bad year, still better than was, solid when you yeah. when you look at all those names. Um, that year his, probably gets if he has that year this year, it probably gets the Jets in a playoff race. Absolutely. And, and that's not makes, acceptable. The Jets have to make the playoffs. Let's not let's make no bones yes. about it. There, there was an expectation that this that this team makes the playoffs in 2023. The floor for the Jets is playoffs. It's playoffs. It's the, playoffs. the ceiling is Super Bowl champion. Yes. Um but that's gonna have them in the mix. And I think that's what you're looking for. Yeah, what makes me nervous, and these are just well, there's a lot numbers. of things that make me nervous about yes. Aaron Rodgers, and these are just the numbers that make me nervous: ninety-one point one passer rating and thirty-nine point three QBR. Those are different numbers, both career lows for Aaron Rodgers. So those numbers make me a little skittish. But like I said, it's Aaron Rodgers; he's gonna be fine. Um, this year, I haven't projected he's gonna break at least one of the franchise records. Do you think he'll break two? Before I say my stats. Do I think he's because the yards records? The yards is nineteen sixty eight. Joe Namath at four thousand and seven, and the break, touchdowns can break that. And the touchdowns is thirty one by Fitz in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, I, um, I do not think the touchdowns is on the table. Um, I do okay. think on the table. Yeah, I think that that the yards is the one that I have an easier time getting behind. But I think in my projection, he's going to break both. I think he's going to have 41-65 passing yards, so that's a little over 150 more than Joe's record, and 33 touchdowns, so two more than Fitz. I think we have the weapons to do it. I know a lot of them could be you know, poached by our great running back, Brees Hall, when you get inside the five, but he could also throw them to Brees from the opposite mm -hmm. five and watch him take it 90 yards. Sure. So I'm excited. I think one of those records will be broken, I'm not going to, you know, commit to one or the other, but yes, passing yards is the one I feel much better about. So we have Aaron Rodgers as a franchise and we're going to pull up the whole spreadsheet. Now I tried to white out all the positions we haven't gone through. I was going to say, this is very scary because I'm looking at my list and I've got a lot of different grades in here. I don't want you to be giving anything away. No, no, no. So we have just the quarterbacks and the special teams, and we did not agree on Greg Zerloin. But I am going to meet you at solid. I Let's feel go. like 
I feel like that's that's a win for Chris. So we'll put him at solid, which is the green tier. And you can see we have every single name that's offense. Defense is obviously above it. We're going to put them all into all five categories, even guys like Isaiah Gaythings, who I'll be honest, I have zero clue about. So these guys are all going to get bucketed. We're going to do the research. Chris and I will not agree as much as we did on tonight's show. I'm sure that when we get into it, there's going to be a ton of positions and a ton of players. What are we doing next week? There we go. Next week, we're doing the uh, playmakers, skill positions, uh, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Oh, there's no way we agree. There, 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 I I can already tell you there are, there's going to be two running backs we disagree on, and there's going to be two wide receivers that we disagree on. I can, I'll predict it already ahead of time. I'm going to write it down. I feel really confident about the RBs, uh, wide receivers. I had a hard time bucketing them. So you could be right on that one too. It's going to be interesting. Um, but that's going to, that's going to do it for our opening show of our summer ranking series. We appreciate everybody tuning in. This one was going to be a little bit shorter. We're only covering quarterback and special teams, but we have one, two, three, four more shows of this summer ranking series. And then we play football. We're 13 days away from reporting to camp, 16 days away from me being out in Florham Park on the first day, first weekend of, of media practice. So I hope everybody enjoyed this series. I hope Everybody, you know, is incentivized to maybe rank their own players and, and see how we how we do. I put it on Twitter asking everybody to rank their top five Jets because I felt like five was hard but not easy. And I felt like I got a lot of the same answers. But did you put it on threads, Dylan? Did you put it on threads too or just I Twitter? did. I did not put it on ah, threads yet. All the cool kids are hanging over on threads now. So you got to put it over there. Exactly. And. If you want to follow me on Twitter, on threads, on Instagram, do that at D follow Chris Schubert on Twitter. I believe he's soon to be on threads. At I'm Chris on Schubert. threads. I'm just, I, I, I haven't, it's not all set up yet. So I'm not giving it out because it's a different handle than my Twitter. So it's a work. Yeah. Progress. But I, follow, I am on threads. Yes. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Schubert underscore threads is a work in progress. So we're all kind of working in progress with it. Uh, you can follow Jet Nation on all social media platforms. Uh, YouTube channel. We appreciate all the engagement, like comment, subscribe. You guys really help us with your viewership. We appreciate everybody's comments until next week. Let's go jets.